0: Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about sexuality, intimacy, and cancer with Joanna Diderio. Joanna is a physician assistant and coordinator of the Sexuality, Intimacy, and Menopause Clinic at Smilo Cancer Hospital, and Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine.
1: So, Joanna, maybe we can start off by you telling us a little bit more about yourself and what it is you do. Sure. So um, I've been a PA for a little over 10
2: years now, and I joined Smilo about five years ago as coordinator of the Sexuality, Intimacy, and Menopause Program for Cancer Survivors. So I work in the Department of Gynecologic Oncology, and I love what I do. I get to see women in any stage of their survivorship journey um, and really help them with an important aspect of quality of life. Um, with sexuality, intimacy, and menopause management, so I love it. It's been very rewarding for me.
1: So let's dive into into that in, in a little bit more detail. You know, a lot of patients, whether they're diagnosed with cervical cancer or ovarian cancer, endometrial cancer, breast cancer, even some men with prostate cancer or testicular cancer, may have issues that revolve around sexuality and intimacy but oftentimes may have difficulty really starting that conversation. So can you talk to us a little bit more about what are the common symptoms that you hear about and what advice do you have for patients to actually bring it up with a a doctor? Because I think that that's one of the first steps is actually to have the conversation.
2: You're absolutely right. And it depends on the relationship that you have with your care team. And really, you can bring it up with anybody on the care team, your nurse, if you're in chemotherapy or radiation, anybody on the team, your social worker, your oncologist. Um, So I hope patients bring it up. But really, you know, the providers should also be asking. And there there are some updated guidelines that say, you know, we really should ask about intimacy as part of our check-ins with our patients. And Sometimes the way I like to start the conversation is just saying, how are you doing emotionally? How is your family? How is your relationship going? Because intimacy isn't always equivalent to sexuality. You know, intimacy can take so many different forms. And when patients have a cancer diagnosis... Intimacy may change and the relationship may change, you know, from a sexual partner to a caregiver and patient. And those roles change and can make things very different at home for the patient. So sometimes I just start by saying, how are you doing? Um, You know, in the gynecologic office, it's easy for me to ask something as simple as, are you having sex these days? Are you intimate with your partner? Do you have any concerns about that that you'd like to talk about or share with us today? And some people say yes, and some people say no, we're okay. Um, So there's, you know, there's no normal. And I think, you know, that's what I hope patients understand is if you feel like you have an issue or a concern you know, feel free to to bring it up to your to your team, and if they don't feel comfortable, hopefully they can find somebody who can help you with those those issues.
1: So talk a little bit more about some of the common symptoms that people facing cancers may may bring up because I can imagine that um part of it might be psychological, like I'm not feeling myself. I don't know whether I am as attractive to my partner as I used to be, um, I don't know physically whether I am able to function the way I used to. And part of it might actually be physiologic, like, you know, I'm not able to get an erection, or I'm having vaginal dryness, or it hurts to have sex. So talk a little bit about all of those kinds of issues. What are the things that you most commonly hear about? You are totally right. It's the, And
2: I always tell patients, you know, it, there are multiple factors that can impact sexual health. Uh, in cancer survivors, and it depends on the treatment, it depends on the cancer, Um, and we see patients with really any type of cancer, the gynecologic cancers, certainly breast cancer, but also uh, anal and rectal cancers, bladder cancers, people who've had leukemias or lymphomas can actually have sexual side effects. And, you know, the men, although in the gynecologic office we don't see men, but we can help refer uh, to to a urologist or somebody else who can help for our male patients, there are really, you know, intimacy uh, is affected by any type of cancer treatment. So it's a good question that you asked, Dr. Chagpar. Of course, there's the emotional aspect. There's, you know, cancer changes people. It causes anxiety. It causes fatigue. It changes people's priorities as far as what's important to them. So that can really impact sexual health, um so there's the emotional aspect there's also fear on the partner's side you know i'm afraid i'm going to hurt my partner i don't want to cause pain um so there's some uh, some fear and anxiety um so really i break it down into the treatment modalities so you think about chemotherapy chemotherapy can cause hair loss fatigue nausea vomiting um, you know, we do really well at managing a lot of the side effects of chemotherapy, but it can it can make people feel really crummy. And people who don't feel well probably aren't as interested in intimacy when they as when they do feel well. So that's one of the things. For our ladies who are young and haven't yet gone through menopause, chemotherapy, often shuts down the ovaries, and usually it can be temporary, uh, but women go into menopause and they may not be prepared for that. And menopause, uh, you know, decreases our sex hormones. So women can get some hot flashes and some night sweats. Um, They have a little bit of brain fog. They're not sleeping as well, and their sex drive goes down. So that can really impact sexual health. And then they may get vaginal dryness or pain with intercourse. So, you know, chemotherapy can really impact intimacy in many ways. Surgery can impact intimacy. People who have had surgery may have pain, scarring, they need to heal. Um, They may not have good flexibility or range of motion, depending on the type of surgery they've had. And then there's radiation therapy. So people who've had radiation can have some bowel problems, some bladder or urinary problems. Women can have vaginal dryness or scarring of the vagina that can impact sexual health. So really, it depends on the type of surgery, uh, the type of treatment. um, But there are many treatments for cancer that unfortunately can impact sexual health for our
1: patients. And so, you know, that brings up the next question, uh, which is I've been through cancer and I have these side effects and, you know, it's just a part of the treatment um, that I, I I ended up losing my hair, I ended up being put into menopause, I ended up with whatever the issue might be that affects my sexual health and some patients may be resigned to, well, that's just the way it is. Um, is that just the way it is, or are there things that you can do about that? You know, for many
2: things, many of the symptoms or side effects that people experiencing, uh, experience from their cancer treatment, we can mitigate those symptoms. We can't always fix them or bring them back to their pre cancer sexual health, but we try. Um, and it takes a team. So my team includes a gynecologist who specializes in, in uh, menopause and sexual health, myself as the PA, and we have our psychology team. And so we try to meet the patient where they're at. You know, we say, well, what's important to you and what's important to your relationship if you have a relationship? And we also keep in mind that. You know, sexual health doesn't always mean you have a partner. When you know people who don't have a partner can still be sexual beings. So we we talk about that. You know, what is your sexual baseline? What are your sexual wishes? What are your goals? And and then we try to help them the best we can as far as emotional support, um, communication with a partner, kind of exploring a new normal. Let's explore a new body. You know, someone who's had, for example, a mastectomy or has a port for chemotherapy or has an ostomy. Um, Let's explore the new body. You know, let's do a little bit of exploration and intimacy. um, And let's validate how things have changed. You know, we talk a lot about what you're experiencing is not unusual. This is what other patients also experience. Um, So there's some validation and emotional support. And then there are lots of things we can try to do to help our patients feel better. Um, and improve their sexual health and, and get them to that goal. So some of the modalities that we use are physical therapy, um, we re- rely on our physical therapy colleagues to help with that. We uh, oftentimes recommend some over-the-counter treatments that people can buy at the pharmacy. Sometimes we use prescription medications. And for certain people, if they're depending on their cancer type, if they're candidates, we prescribe hormone therapy. So we can prescribe some hormone replacement therapy for our patients, which can oftentimes help. Um, and we try to get them to their goal if we can.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's so important to kind of say, you know, maybe there are things that are a fait accompli after cancer treatment, but there are ways that we can potentially optimize things so that you can get back to having a sexual relationship if that's what you want to have. It may not be exactly the same as it was beforehand. But hopefully, we can help you to reach whatever it is that is your goal. Talk a little bit about the role of a person's partner in this journey, because I think that that's a big part of it. Um, On the one hand, you know, the partners are often going through this journey with their loved one. And it's harrowing for them too, right? Um, because now they are being thrust into the role of, of caregiver and, you know, things get stressful um, and, you know, to try to have that relationship may be, may be difficult. So talk a little bit about how we support caregivers through this journey. Absolutely. I think
2: caregivers are really part of the patient's journey, and they're going through their own journey, too. And there are so many emotions involved in cancer survivorship in all phases from diagnosis until, you know, forever. There are so many different emotions involved in a cancer journey for the patient and their family and whoever's important to them. And so, you know, we often, again, we have psychology team really involved in our clinic. From day one, we've had psychology because we know how important emotional health is and communicating, and we welcome partners to to participate in our appointments and come and listen in and learn about a lot of these symptoms and, and again, validate, you know, this is, your partner is experiencing this because of his or her treatment, and this is normal, and this is how other patients you know, get through this and and move on and and try to get back to some sense of normalcy or a new normal. So we, we are more than happy to include partners. We also help patients if they're looking for a partner, if they're thinking about, you know, jumping back into dating or wanting a new sexual partner in the future and kind of preparing themselves physically and emotionally for that part of their cancer journey. Um But the common themes we hear are, I feel bad that I don't want to have sex more. I feel guilty that I don't have a a, a libido or a sex drive. And the partner sometimes says, I don't want to hurt my partner. I I don't want to force them to have sex. So we try to, again, meet the couple where they're at, help them communicate their needs and help them communicate their priorities. What's important? for
1: you as a couple. Yeah. So important uh, as we kind of go through that journey of cancer and cancer treatment to really think about um how you and your partner um can get through that journey um and still maintain some sort of a intimate relationship. Um maybe different than it was before, um but but certainly can still be Um, loving and caring as well. We need to take a short break for a medical minute, but please stay tuned to learn more about sexuality, intimacy, and cancer with my guest, Joanna Diderio.
0: Funding for Yale Cancer Answers comes from Smilo Cancer Hospital, where their survivorship clinic is a resource for cancer survivors and provides patients and their families with information on cancer prevention, wellness, supportive services, and health research smilocancerhospital.org There are many obstacles to face when quitting smoking as smoking involves the potent drug nicotine. Quitting smoking is a very important lifestyle change, especially for patients undergoing cancer treatment, as it's been shown to positively impact response to treatments, decrease the likelihood that patients will develop second malignancies, and increase rates of survival. Tobacco treatment programs are currently being offered at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as Yale Cancer Center and its Milo Cancer Hospital. All treatment components are evidence-based, and patients are treated with FDA-approved first-line medications, as well as smoking cessation counseling that stresses appropriate coping skills. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio.
1: Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Joanna Diderio. We're talking about sexuality, intimacy, and cancer. And before the break, we were talking about the fact that for many patients with cancer, whether it's a gynecologic cancer, a urologic cancer, but even other cancers, um, any kind of cancer or cancer treatment can have potential effects in terms of how you feel about your body, side effects that you might encounter that may affect sexuality and intimacy and how important it is to talk to your doctor or your care team about that because there are things that might be able to be done about that. And certainly support is available for patients and their caregivers and their partners um, to really get through this journey together and, um, now, right before the break, Joanna, you were talking about people who may not have partners as yet. So we know that cancer can afflict anybody and certainly afflicts uh, young people in adolescence as well. And I can imagine that in that population, you know, you're going through a cancer and you have all of, especially for adolescents. you you're in that period of life when you're thinking about your own body image, you're starting to date, um, that it may be particularly problematic, right? As you're thinking about, am I going to be attractive enough? Am I ever going to be able to have uh, a sexual relationship with somebody? I talk a little bit about how you address those issues with Um, young adults, uh, people who um, may not have uh, really gotten into an established relationship yet who have faced cancer and now are looking to the future and thinking, geez, how is this going to affect my my future sexuality? Yeah, that's a great
2: question, Dr. Chegpar. You know, there are, are adolescent and young adult cancer survivors that are just at what we call the sexual debut, which can have a lot of hormonal fluctuations um, and really emotional challenges for young adult survivors. I think, again, one of the most important roles for us, the oncology team, is to really educate and validate our patients even before treatment starts so that they have an expectation of, what might happen um, as a result of their cancer treatment? Um, you know, one of the one of the big challenges I think that young adults face is also fertility. You know, having to think about perhaps preserving fertility, meeting with an endocrinologist, um, you know, before chemotherapy or before their treatment um, to make sure that if they in the future if they want to have children that they can. And that takes a huge emotional toll as well. So that's also kind of another complex piece for adults, uh, young adults and adolescents. And then it's the emotional piece of dating and and a cancer journey and thinking about, gosh, do I tell somebody on my first date? Do I tell them right before we're going to have sex for the first time that, hey, this is my journey. This is what's happened to me. How do I disclose that and when do I disclose that? And so, again, a lot of times it's just talking it out with our patient and saying, what feels right for you as far as, you know, how the relationship is going. Do you feel comfortable enough sharing your story and, and really what's your preference? And then talking about preparing yourself mentally. So maybe there's an anticipatory anxiety. I'm afraid to even think about having sex and I'm going to be very anxious in the moment. And we do encourage some self-exploration. You know, we work with, with our women. We work on some certain things. There's something called vaginal dilator therapy to kind of make sure the, the vagina is open and stretchy enough and, and feeling comfortable on our own before we consider trying with a sexual partner. And we encourage other things like that, too. So, so it's a lot about communication
1: and feeling open and comfortable, which is very psychological. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can imagine that that some patients may, a, as you were talking about, just have anxiety, like, is everything going to work? Right. <laughs> Am I going to be able to function? Am I going to be able to satisfy my partner? And, right. and kind of going through that, um, I can imagine how that can be very anxiety provoking. And while it's something that as we talked about before the break, you can certainly level set and talk to partners about um, at the outset uh, when uh, uh, they're in an established relationship with the partner who's going through the cancer journey to kind of talk about, you know, what issues uh, patients may be facing in terms of their sexual function, when you've got a young adult who's embarking upon having their first sexual encounter, that that can be a little bit more challenging. It absolutely can. It absolutely can. and
2: and I think again, this is this is an important conversation to have in regards to setting expectations and, and letting patients know, you know, I think about our young cervical cancer patients who, you know, may need to have surgery or radiation or chemotherapy, and some women are put into menopause unfortunately by their by their treatment. And so it's it, it it's helpful for them to understand what they might be feeling. You know, they might be feeling pain or vaginal dryness. They may have some bleeding. Um, they may have some hot flashes and night sweats. And if they don't know what that what that means, it's it's going to be hard to to understand and to to know that that's normal from their treatment. So even just setting the expectation and saying these are the things you might feel, we can try to help you. You know, don't don't panic that that this is happening. Um, so so it's helpful. And, and cervical cancer can affect young women, and those, that's one of the the patients that I really enjoy taking care of is our cervical cancer survivors um, and helping them through. Because also you know, in the gynecologic cancer world, these are, the gynecologic organs are usually a sense of, provide a sense of pleasure. These are, these are our sex organs. And when they've been affected by cancer, there's a lot of negative feelings about, you know, my body turned against me, or this is no longer a source of pleasure. This is a a source of trauma in in my cancer journey. So, you know, again, it's, there's a lot of, feelings around, you know, there's very complex feelings around those symptoms.
1: You know, in, in thinking about your sex organs turning against you, I wonder whether you've encountered the issue of blame as well, because, you know, we know that um, a number of cancers are, you know, related to viruses, for example, that are sexually transmitted. Um or that are related to sexually transmitted diseases, um, and you know, do how do you kind of counsel patients um, who may be feeling that, maybe feeling a sense of of blame, of guilt, um, and and trying to get them back to. Um, a a feeling of normalcy. That's a tough one, Doctor Chagpar.
2: That's where we, we, you know, I love having psychology part of uh, psychologists as part of our team because they can help us with those really complex feelings and discussions.
1: You know, in these last few minutes that we have, I I wanted to kind of delve into a little bit about pre-vivorship. So we know that. There are patients who don't yet have cancer, but maybe they have a strong family history or they have a genetic predisposition to cancer, and they may opt or may be thinking about um, taking actions that will proactively reduce their risk. But sometimes these actions, such as removing your ovaries, for example, uh, removing your breast prophylactically to reduce your your risk of breast cancer may have side effects that may affect hormone levels and their sense of sexuality and intimacy. And they haven't yet even had cancer. And so can you talk about kind of guiding patients through that, helping them to think about the effects that they may experience and and how to approach
2: that? Absolutely this is this is another one of my favorite populations is our young cancer previvors who've often experienced a fa- a close family member you know with cancer sometimes they've lost a loved one to cancer and they say you know I really don't want that to be me I'll do anything I can to prevent that and unfortunately uh, especially in the gynecologic world, the prevention of ovarian cancer is really surgical prevention. And while we're working, and, and I'm hopeful that there will be better techniques for early detection of ovarian cancer in the future and and screening, right now we, you know, we're we're putting women into surgical menopause. You know, we're taking out the ovaries at a young age to prevent ovarian cancer, and so. I think that the most important thing is setting the expectation and saying, this is these are some things you may experience. You know, menopause can cause these symptoms. Again, hot flashes, night sweats, some sexual health changes. Here's how we're going to help you through those. And then afterwards, we work really closely with our patients to try to, to bring them back to their, to their sexual health baseline if we can. And and, you know, my, my biggest hope is that women don't regret their decision. You know, I hope women go into it confident and saying, I'm going to reduce my cancer risk and I feel good about doing that. It relieves a lot of anxiety about developing cancer. A- and my biggest goal as a provider is to make sure that that they feel like it wasn't a bad decision. You know, I, I want them to feel good about their decision. And And these are often young women who have again, experience cancer in their family. They may have young children or they may not have children yet. They may be very um, highly educated and have, you know, be at the pinnacle of their careers and really successful. And they're going through this pretty significant journey um, without actually having a cancer diagnosis. So, so I, you know, I love helping these women, feel normal and mitigate their side effects and really keep them healthy and and we do a lot of hormone replacement therapy for these patients if we can um we do a lot of education and we we try really hard to make them feel like they never had surgery in the first place
1: and so you know in our in our last minute or so can you talk a little bit about any of the exciting developments that you see in terms of sexuality and intimacy and cancer on the horizon? Certainly, it's not an area that we used to talk a lot about back, you know, 20, 30, 50 years ago, but certainly is something that we're talking a lot more about now. Um, what research are you most excited about? So the, the, the biggest thing for me that I'm excited about is a lot of
2: research about removing the fallopian tubes for our women at high risk, but leaving the ovaries for a few more years and letting them get that hormonal function of the ovaries normally so that they don't have to go into this menopause early. So that's that's the biggest thing in the genetics gyneco- gynecologic world is can we prevent cancer by removing the fallopian tubes alone um, and keep women hormonally normal for a long time? Um, So I'm hopeful that that'll be something for the future for our patients who are at high risk. And in regards to the patients who have cancer, I'm hopeful that we can continue to develop some new therapies for treating their side effects, treating some of their symptoms that affect sexual health, and also just getting better at asking and having more providers know that we need to ask our patients and help them to find the resources they need uh, for sexual health.
0: Joanna Diderio is a physician assistant and coordinator of the Sexuality, Intimacy, and Menopause Clinic at Smilo Cancer Hospital. If you have questions, the address is at yale.edu and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital.